Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to this iteration of Faster Than a Stand-Up. I'm Brent Lamott. I'm Mark Herbal. I'm Patrick Dodd. I'm Marcos Carvalho. So today we're going to talk about POs and positive behavior. So just as a little recap for everybody, if you listen to episode 26, and if you haven't, you should, Marcos brought up the great idea of talking about POs and positive behaviors. Marcos, what do you want to talk about when it comes to POs and positive behavior? Um, there's been, you know, there's been many articles, many people talking about bad behaviors of product owners and... Um, you know, what, what, what are the characteristics of, of, of uh, a PO that is not good enough? Uh, so maybe I was thinking that we could talk about the positive behaviors, our experiences, our stories of good POs that we've worked with and that we like to share. Right on. So I will say that we were kind of joking that we didn't have 15 minutes worth of content for that, but that's so not true. It's just <laughs> easy to joke about it that way. So Mark, give me an example of a PO and positive behavior. Uh, they not only have a plan, they articulate it uh, clearly and regularly to the team. And I was reminded of this when I was going through uh, some old folders on my machine and found uh, a one slide, uh, three month and three quarter uh, plan that one of our product owners did. And you could look at it in one shot and say, this is what we've completed recently um, and shipped. This is what's lagging. This is what's ahead. Um, longer term, here's what we've got. Um, capacity, all of this on one page. We would use it in sprint planning to define why the themes made sense. We would use it with quarterly or monthly stakeholder meetings to update them on where we were. We'd use it uh, for a whole bunch of other things. And like I said, it was a single slide. You look at it and you say, I don't like that or congratulations, we're done. And I've used something similar in the past, and it's always nice when you have the what we've done, because for product owners, sometimes they're trying to think about when they're recapping their quarter, what have we done, what, you know, where were our successes, and it helps them remember what they were going to do and what they are doing, so that the team can actually recognize success over a given time period, because I think a lot of times teams tend to spend their focus in the now it's like here's what we're trying to get done over these x weeks and if you have a little reminder that says hey this is what you did this is what you're going to do i'm so glad that you're focused on the now because this is us actually trying to deliver work keep doing that i'd also right? say coordination between multiple teams if they have dependencies like we had three teams that were interlinked so the yep. one that was at the um, end of that process which was actually the team i just referenced had to be at least four to six minutes ahead because we will need this thing now, which means you have to produce that thing then, which means you'll have to produce that thing for them even earlier. So, Well, and I'd say a product owner needs to be um, one of the best vision holders in the organization because the um, I, you, you can't have a good plan without a vision for it to go to. Um, and where I've seen and, and I'm going to go over to the other side uh, for a second, but where I've seen product owners fail is when work turns into onesie twosie requests and bug fixes and, 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 um, tasks. and yeah, tasks essentially. And, and, and that's due to a lack of a vision. They're, they're doing stuff. 
they're just right. not you know it's not going anywhere and and some of the best um product owners that i've seen were actually not formally in the role of product owners they were in the role of executives and you always knew where they were going like this is this is this is what we're doing and you could go to someone in an elevator and say well this is what our company's doing you know right. and there was there was no argument about that marcos give me another one um, I think good communication is important, and I know this is very generic, but um, but the thing about you know having a vision and about you know being too much vision focused and being too much operationalized operationally focused, it's 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 like the two sides of you know of of the problem. Uh, one one of the things I've seen good communicators do, good POs do, and they're good communicators is they can take people on a journey on their vision. They can set the context to many teams so they can understand where they should be involved. Um, they're, uh, you know, they, they can start meetings by giving the context of what people are trying to achieve in that meeting, for example. And who, people who are good communicators and are good POs, they usually do this very naturally, right? You don't need to remind them, look, you need to set the context, right? They do it automatically. And that's one of the traits I, I really like about them. It's funny you well, should mention that because I think that's also true with coaches. We have a, a coaching COP, a COP community of practice. Um, we've had other community of practices where it's sometimes it feels like pulling teeth to get anybody to talk. And like with coaches and POs, it's oftentimes like, can you guys shut up for a second? Because we actually, you know, <laughs> like they tend to be fairly vocal and pretty direct. And it comes out as a natural consequence of getting a bunch of them together and they're actually willing to talk. So. Well, it's really funny when you say that, though, because uh, I think it's a challenge for introverts, right? And one of the things that we're going to talk about in a future episode is the challenges as a coach or as a scrum master in working with extroverts and introverts, because sometimes you have to dial in the extroverts because they'll steal the meeting. They and you, you that thing. Uh, right. And then you end up with the extroverts or the introverts who you're like, so tell me more right? There, there's that whole getting them comfortable to saying basically by, you know, within X number of sprints where they're just as vocal in an event. And then of course you need to give them their alone time afterwards because they're decompressing from that. Oh my God, I've been talking so much. Yeah. I think, I think product owners too, if this is going to sound weird, but product owners own something. You know, they, they, defend, right. they defend their product. And that, I think, is a, is a difference between terms that we hear interchangeably, product owners and product managers. A product owner okay. owns the product. They're the vision holders. A product manager manages the product. That vision is handed down by someone else. Well, and I think that goes back to when you have a sprint, what is the sprint goal? And does that sprint goal tie back to the product vision? So it's incumbent on everybody on the team, not just the product owner, not just the scrum master, not just the coach, not just the facilitator, but every single person on that team should know what is the sprint goal? How does that tie back to the vision? And if they don't tie back to that, it's incumbent on everybody involved to say, hey, wait a minute, what does this have to do with what we're trying to get done? When we were talking about this before we started the recording, it was, you know, the greatest project movie ever, which is Apollo 13. What, you know, what's your goal? So every meeting 
should tie back to here's the focus, here's the vision, how are we doing what we're trying to do? Exactly, because it's, it's not difficult to provide sprint goals, right? It's not difficult to have a sprint goal and difficult, not difficult to have a vision, right? It's difficult to do everything to get there. And, you know, and to provide sprint goals that make you closer to that vision, to, provide, to, to, to take the team on a journey that gets them closer. And they understand this, this journey. They understand that it's closely related to this vision and that they're getting closer and they're getting there. This is the difficult part. And I think we've talked a lot too about communicating, but I think a good product owner knows how to listen and how to work with people to um, in not, not just integrate feedback, but to understand the implications of a change to the product, like um, versus just saying, we're going to do these features and this is going to be great. Here are all these features that you're going to build. Um, a good product owner listens to the team as the team says, well, yeah, but we need to upgrade this technology before we can build these features. And if we upgrade this technology, we can build all these other features in the future a lot faster. And that leads into uh, good prioritization versus just a plan that's handed down. You right know, as, you, as you were talking, I was thinking the litmus test for me is the sprint review. Um, I, I remember one time a product owner looked over at a vice president and a senior director that were warring over something very small and basically said, that's great, take it offline, we're moving on to the next thing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and one thing that I wanted to make sure that we covered as well, because we've talked a lot about communication is how they are a barrier or a translation piece between what stakeholders want and what teams can deliver. I I love the phrase, talk to the product owner, you know, great (laughs) idea. Talk to the product owner. Like I, I, I'm not going to tell you it fits in or doesn't fit in, but I know that there'll be, on the spot to go listen to what you have to say and take it offline and then it'll it may or may not appear in our backlog so mm-hmm. I, I can you know know that they're going to just do that That's what and, it, and it also works from the other end too which is where um, i've seen some teams that say well we can't possibly deliver anything this is going to take you know we we we, we, we don't want to plan you know we don't want to set anything in stone and and part of the part of a good product owner is pushing back on that too and saying okay, but what can you give me? And, right. and if, if we have a month, what can you ship a, in a month? What can, I, what can I sell? What can I operationalize? Right, Marcos? <laughs> I was thinking that um, having a good backlog is actually one of the nicest things that I like about um, a good team. And um, if you think about communication, written communication is also a form of good communication, right? It's not only about expressing yourself verbally, um, but someone who can, someone who can create content and who can write things um, in a way that they can express himself, uh, that people understand him and, and stuff like that is also. Or her. Or her. Or her. Yes, of course. And so I was thinking about that actually while you were speaking. No, it's totally cool. I mean, I, one of the things that we did talk about pre-recording was how good product owners are great at filling in detail. And it's the difference between telling you how to do it and telling you why you need it. Product owners get into the trap, especially if they're, uh, you know, have some experience or some exposure in the subject matter to want to get into the weeds, right? And over, over create what they want on a ticket. So it's, it's more of a, I'm trying to provide guidance and fill in some holes but I don't care how you get it done because you're doing it, not me. 
Yeah, the, the problem with, with having something like JIRA where you can have an infinite amount of text associated with a particular story is that you get an infinite amount of text associated with a story, right? And good product owners will have three lines for acceptance criteria. And you go into the sprint review and you say, I understand that. And there we go. And then we did it, right? right. Also, another thing I think a very positive behavior of product owners is a focus on the user. Like they are called user stories for a reason. Right. And we've had cases where we um, actually, you know, get into a sprint review and anyone could have run the demos because it is a user perspective. I went in, I did this thing, I ordered this thing, and there it went, right? And, and we could define, yes, based on the acceptance criteria, we met that need. Rather than, let me go and run this command line, and then I'm going to show you a zero came back, and that, just trust me, that's good. <laughs> right. Well, and it's hard. It's 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 a trap sometimes to think of the user as the end user because that's not always the case. Right. Um, in in some companies, if where you have an architecture uh, that doesn't support teams going um, UI down to database, um, if if you if it doesn't support full stack teams, sometimes you'll have middle tier teams, and in those cases, like let's say. Um, team that I worked with was a, uh, a, a a team that does translation layer, GraphQL translation layer, uh, but they still have users. The the users right. are the teams that are hooking the UI into that layer, and they still have to listen to those users. And because if 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 that layer is not built for the user, then the user is going to try a homegrown thing, and then we're going to have legacy code. I really like product owners who are curious about their own products. And right. not only they're able to demo their own products, but they're able to experiment and uh, actually log in and use their system to check how it behaves in different situations. I've had this case in, well, recently actually, um, where a product owner would, would find different use cases um, together with implementation actually uh, to his product that nobody was aware of. And this was interesting because he was curious about his own product. So that was a question for you then. Do you think a product owner has to be enthusiastic about their product to be effective? Does, does enthusiastic <laughs> mean, does he love, does he have to love his product? I think they need to be curious enough to be willing to experiment and find uh, what is great and what is not great about their product. I think that, and that, that needs some enthusiasm, I would say. Um, but I, I wouldn't say they need to be highly energetic, enthusiasm all over the place. I wouldn't say that. And that's the end of this iteration. I'm Brent. I'm Mark. I'm Patrick. I'm Marcos. Until the next iteration, you can give us a rating at your podcast provider, shoot us an email at info at fasterthanastandup.com, or find us on Twitter at Faster Standup. Thanks for listening. And that was Faster Than a Standup. <laughs>